1: Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. All right, so Sarah, you have a very special guest today. Yes,
0: it feels like kindergarten um, show and tell.
1: Oh, it does? That's <laughs> funny. We we kind of alluded to it in our previous episode, but Barbara is our guest today and she is Sarah's mom. So she is going to be with us. She is not a breast cancer survivor, but she did have a radical hysterectomy and she has graciously agreed to share her experience. She had the procedure at the age of 32, I believe just two months after having
0: your brother, right, Sarah? Right. Yeah. So this was back in 1990. Right, mom? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, very eventful year.
0: It was a very eventful year. Yeah, I was five at the time. So my brother is five years younger than me. So I vaguely remember some some things, but not a a ton. So what we're going to talk about today, we are going to start with your story. So why your doctor recommended surgery.
1: Yeah, what recovery was like, how you felt afterward.
0: And then we're going to wrap up with what life was like years after. And now what you want others to know when they're considering surgery.
1: Right. But before we dive in, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com.
0: Okay, so, Barbara, mom. Uh, you
1: can't call her that. You can't call her that. You,
0: Mom! <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for coming on here. I really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I want to dive in, and we can start off with just talking about, you know, why your doctor recommended this surgery right after you had had my brother, just two months after you had had your second child.
1: Yeah. What was going on physically to where your doctor recommended this, Barbara?
2: Well, we've got to go back further than that. We've got to go back to 1983 when Sarah's dad and I were dating and it was getting pretty serious. And I was having so much trouble with my monthly periods. I mean, to the point of one week of the month, I was spending pretty much every waking moment in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And when I felt that things were going to progress with with Gilbert, and I wanted to get some things taken care of before I even considered you know, becoming a man and wife, I made an appointment with the doctor to go in and see about it. And I did not have the best doctor, I will say that right off the bat. And when he was doing an exam, of course, you're laying on your back and your legs are up and, and <laughs> not
0: vulnerable at all.
2: Not, no. And he's going, "Uh uh-oh. And and I'm laying there like, what's uh uh-oh? What are you talking about? And so then he recommends I go to get an ultrasound. And then the next thing I know, I'm in the hospital and he's doing an exploratory surgery. Well, apparently I had endometriosis, which was well advanced, well advanced. And at that time, he took out one of my ovaries. And in the space of, I would say, three or four months, I was in the hospital four times. And the second time was just to do a test because first PATH report came back as being negative. Nothing was wrong. And then all of a sudden, the pathologist says, well, it it appears to be borderline. Just very nonchalant and the doctor said well we need to go back in the hospital and do some tests I sat around the hospital all day waiting for these tests to be done and all of a sudden he comes in he goes we're going to need to take you to surgery tomorrow and do another exploratory and I just lost my mind so can I stop you for a minute
1: Barbara so you're saying when he went in to do the first exploratory surgery he went ahead and took your ovary during that surgery without telling you
2: uh well it
1: were you awake? I, mean, I was,
2: I was out. I was not, I mm-hmm. did not. I mean, he, he went in with the understanding that he was going to look around and see, and apparently one ovary was just totally encapsulated and was totally not going to be functioning. Okay. And the other one he said was glued up onto the top of my uterus and he put it back in place. And it was just, and it this was, was so bef- mind blowing at the time. This was before and, she even
0: you had ever had children before you were married. Yes. Yeah.
2: Right, right. And uh so the second so I was looking at that possibility of that kind of a radical kind of thing for the second hospitalization, and I just lost my mind. And and fortunately Sarah's dad came in and he said you know, we need to get a second opinion on this. We cannot go forward like this. And so we called in another doctor and he immediately put a halt to things. I went home, made an appointment with him and went back to see him. And he said, we really need to refer you to a specialist at the university. And so I took a friend of ours who is a was a professor in the nursing department with me to get some kind of an intelligent question and answer with the doctor. And she went in, the doctor sat down with me and said, we really need to do this to just kind of see that everything is okay and see what the heck the pathologist is seeing and, and take some more samples and things like that. And I felt a lot better with that. Mm -hmm. And so I went into the university, they did, they did the whole exploratory, they put things back where they were supposed to be, <laughs> and cleaned everything up. And at the time, I didn't know about know it, but he came out of the operating room and told my mother, he said, if it hadn't been the fact that she was so adamant to have children, we would have done a total hysterectomy on her at that time.
0: Wow. 80, like that was in 83.
2: And this was the second.
0: You guys, I was almost not here.
1: That was the second doctor that said that, right? That was the
0: specialist at the university. Yeah. So that would have been the third one.
1: So you were already at this this point for that second surgery, you were already missing one ovary, right? So you only had the opportunity to have children with one ovary. Right. Okay. Wow. That's amazing that
2: you and your brother. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll (laughs) get there. We'll get there. Yikes. Yeah. So, so he told he told us he said you all get married, have your kids as quick as you can and then we need to revisit this in the future. And my fourth hospital visit was the day after I left the hospital, I started throwing up because they would not feed me anything before I left the hospital. And so I was back into the hospital with an NG tube and and everything. And uh-huh. it was It was a mess. It was a mess. And then three months later I'm getting married and Gilbert and I are looking at we've we've got to get started on our family. This is why Sarah was born two years after we got married. I had no trouble getting pregnant with her. But then when we came time for we thought, okay, we we're ready to add to our family. And so then I started having a little bit of trouble with Jason. And had to go back in and have Band-Aid surgery, you know, the whole open or blow you up and and, uh, do the exploring. And they found that what the ovary that I had left was covered with scar tissue. And so that needed to be lasered in order to get the eggs to be released. Wow. And, And then right after that, that I got pregnant with him. Dang, man, Barbara, your your
1: ovaries were a little funky, man, but they were strong. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> we're fertile, even though we it goes. Yeah, say, so you're a fertile and myrtle, and myrtle <laughs> for having all that and being able to have Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing.
2: Well, but and then, then uh, after we had after we had Jason, I went back into the doctor's office. This is the second doctor who came and and had stopped the surgery. I moved all my stuff. To him because I felt more comfortable with him. So then I went back in to talk to them about something and I don't even remember what it was. And they go, well, you got to make an appointment to get in here because you had a pap smear that came back bad. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? Oh, you didn't <laughs> I, know this that? Is, I did not know this. And so I left the office and went home and I thought, Oh, my golly, what is going on? Why can I not get a straight answer from any of these people? Mm-hmm. And so my husband called the doctor's office, told them that I was very upset. And the doctor called me later that night. And he said that he had gone back to the office. And he goes, I always make a note in the chart when I talk to people about things like this. And he said, there were no notes on your chart. Therefore, he says, I am so sorry that mm-hmm. I did not inform you of this at the time. Mm-hmm. So he said, uh, we, we made an appointment, we went in and he said, Well, we do this, you know, it's the wash thing, and they do the laser and everything. And we had a boy and we had a girl, we had our million-dollar family, and <laughs> so it kind of was like, I'm gonna hold this carrot out in front of you of I can get rid of your monthly periods mm. all in one fell swoop and which so, it had to have sounded
1: really appealing with everything you'd mm-hmm. been through
2: right and and knew that I would not be out of commission one week of every month I had to plan to be around a bathroom mm-hmm. and everything and I thought you know this sounds really good and I opted not to breastfeed Jason and so I was all done with that and I thought let's just go ahead and schedule a surgery And let's get everything taken out of out. But I did not realize the hormonal level and how that would affect you with a newborn. Mm. And you're going through all the postpartum stuff. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're jerking all of those estrogen hormones out of me. I was a complete basket case. I, I want to dive into that, like what that
1: was like when you woke up from surgery and what that journey looked like for you. Before we do that, do you guys want to lighten the mood a little bit and do a little, <laughs> do a little boobs? Because yes. I'm, blown, I'm blown away by your story, Barbara. Like yeah. that is... A lot of a lot in a yeah. very short period of time. Which is yeah. something we see with a lot of breast cancer patients. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, go- you're
0: coming off a diagnosis and all your surgeries treatment, and everything and treatment. You know, there's never the right time for any of this. No. So no. Yeah, yeah
1: let's I want to dive into that, but let's do boobs in the news first. Yes.
0: Okay. So boobs in the news is where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Bibs in the news.
2: Bibs in the news. Boobs in the news
0: okay hit here me. we go hit me all right this is another <laughs> so it's titled another lost temper at walmart like oh. this happens all the time <laughs> i don't i mean i don't lose my temper at walmart <laughs> oh, where yeah. i go to people watch no um, i was gonna say the people of walmart is the thing <laughs> so this time it's from a former employee a 32 year old guy named hmm, lacy was fired from a walmart in north carolina He got so mad that when he left, he drove his Volkswagen Passat. So that's like a pretty small car. Yeah, it's like a packed car. Yeah. Straight through the front door of the store. And then he must like not have been hitting too terribly much because once he was inside, he just kept driving up and down the aisles. Stop it. (laughs) Luckily, no one was hurt, but the store was trashed. And Lacey got arrested on several felony charges, you obviously. Think, you think? He's like the, um, who, what's the service where they go grocery shopping for you? He's just making oh, it more efficient. Like an Instacart? Instacart, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're just going to go out on a limb here and say this guy doesn't need to do an exit interview. I,
1: I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> I want to know what his personnel <laughs> file looked like before this happened.
0: Like, yeah. I want to I wanna
1: see all the times they had to talk to Lacey about his behavior. Yeah. How many times he reamed a customer.
0: My guess is he's not a banner employee. Uh,
1: clearly not. Clearly. Clearly not. I will say this about Walmart since, you know, because there's that whole people of Walmart, you know, where mm-hmm. people make fun of how people look in Walmart. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a Walmart shopper. I like Walmart. I've got a very specific strategy when I grocery shop. I do all these Walmart and then my premium, nice. my premium stuff. But yeah. Did you see that TikTok the other day where they, the people broke out in the Star Spangled banner in Walmart? Mm-mm. It was, it was like a TikTok. The employees, the, n- all of the patrons, all of the customers. Wow. So somebody started the Star Spangled banner uh-huh. and everybody joins in. And the guy that posted it to TikTok, his handle is raised right. Mm-hmm. But it's like the, f- coolest thing because everybody in Walmart just stops what they're doing puts their hand over their heart and starts singing the Star Spangled Uh, Banner. I just
0: got chills. It was really good. That's kind of cool. So
1: Yes, we have the people of Walmart and we have people like Lacey, but then it's
0: all about the lens through which you look at it. That's right. That's right. Walmart's got their
1: positives too. So the boob is definitely Lacey and good for you, Walmart. for getting rid of him. Yeah. Even though,
0: even though he was not willing to go, (laughs) he did not go quietly. He did not go quietly. (laughs) quietly. Yeah. Sorry about your store. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. All right. And we are back. So let's talk about you had said the rug kind of got ripped out from underneath you after surgery. So let's talk about what it was like right after you woke up. Like what was your recovery like in that first couple of weeks?
2: Well, I was very fortunate at the time that we had insurance that would allow me to stay at the hospital, which with a two month old child, if I had come home, it would have been even worse. But as it was, Gilbert was able to take off and he was able to be home with, with Jason. And i more or less kind of stewed my own juices at the hospital after the surgery was done. I was fine. Mm-hmm. It was like two days later, I woke up and I just started crying and I could not stop. Mm-hmm. And I called, I called my mother mm-hmm. at work and she, my goes, grandma had, Yes. Have you talked to your husband? And I said, What? And so then I immediately started crying more because I knew something bad was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I called Gilbert and he goes, Well, the car died on the way from your mother's house to our house. And I had to get a tow truck. And just immediately, Mm -hmm. I just lost it. And the doctor, my. My fabulous doctor came in and he's like, uh, he knew what was happening. He yeah. knew that I was having a complete hmm. crash as far as the hormones. Were so going.
0: if he knew that that could have potentially happened and if he walked in with the awareness that he knew what was going on, did he warn you that that
2: would happen? No, nobody ever said you are going to hit a wall. Hmm. I just went into that surgery with the expectation that I was losing my monthly periods and that's all I was looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: One of the nurses did talk to me about, she said, don't do the hormone pills, y'all, you want to do the patches because it levels out the the levels. But at that time, I really wasn't concerned about that. It was mainly the periods. I just wanted to get rid of that monthly mm-hmm. headache.
0: Yeah. When you have something that is so difficult that you're Battling with every single month, and somebody dangles a carrot like that, you know, we can get rid of that. It, you know, it can be really enticing.
1: So, hormone replacement therapy was kind of what they came to you with. Like, this is what's going to help even you out and get you back to normal. Was that the idea?
2: The doctor, being a man, too, I guess is another kind of a drawback on him. And not to say anything about men and all and their understanding, (laughs) he prescribed the pills. But what I found was that the pills gave me such highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I would be high one one minute and the next next minute I'd be low. Mm-hmm. And the night that I sit the mixing bowl across the kitchen floor and went to my room and shut the door and wouldn't let anybody come in I thought I've got to do something. This mm-hmm. is not going to work out. Mm-hmm and i i'm trying to imagine
1: just going through that emotional turmoil yourself and just grieving that whole process for you what you've lost and at the same time you have young kids a 5-year-old and an infant mm-hmm. you know newly yes. mar- newly married and i just know for myself when i went through breast cancer with having kids all under the age of 6 three of them it was so heartbreaking to me that they that I had to go through something like this when they were so little. Mm-hmm. You know, they deserved a mom that was present. They deserved a mom that was healthy. They deserved a mom that was enjoying their time with th- them. Mm-hmm. And when you're in turmoil like that, you know, physically or emotionally, you're barely treading water yourself and yeah. i think it's really heartbreaking as a mom to know you're not at your best and then that, mm-hmm. that is you know impacting your kids whether you like it or not
0: i've noticed that when i scroll back and look at pictures of even like henley mm-hmm. i look at pictures and i'm like oh that was the day of my first chemo like oh that was I, like does it you know make, you, does you it connect make you sad? it to it makes me very, it very ma- sad it makes me sad but you know what and this is where i'm you know obviously your struggle became something that i took to heart mom because when you shared with me like what the first year was like for you and jason and your relationship and how that affected you guys i was like really present to the fact that i i told myself like i have got to be a mom and i've got to be present for henley to to be like to remember not that this year was about that but that this year is also very much about her first year of life And I want to remember, I don't, I don't remember her first word. I was trying to remember the other day, like, what was her first word? And when did she start walking? Like, I don't know. Those are things that you try to remember about your kids, especially, you know.
1: Yeah, when you're not battling a life-threatening
0: yeah, illness or right. that, when
1: you're not debilitating. I remember like... a lot of that for Piper because she was like, it. But that's <laughs> that's my point. It's like, yeah, and at that time you were healthy. But when you're battling like emotional fallout and mm-hmm. you can barely function, I mean, of course, like that's going to take a backseat. I think as an adult, the best thing about being a parent for me is the grace it gives me for my own parents. Mm -hmm. Because you really recognize, like, once you've gone through your own trials, like, how difficult it is to raise other human beings when you're struggling. Totally. So, like, Yeah. yeah, I just think it's a really interesting dynamic. We deal with, I mean, most of these women who are being referred to hysterectomies that are breast cancer patients are under the age of 40. Yeah. Or 45. Yeah. And so they're raising kids in yeah. most of these circumstances. Right. So yeah. what I want young moms who are going through this right now to realize is that you got to give yourself a little bit of grace because yeah. I know like for me in particular, it was oddly, it was hard for me to be around my kids when I was going through treatment. I, they were a reminder of everything I stood to lose and, and the pieces of myself that I was losing. Mm-hmm. And I, it, when I look back at pictures of them really little I feel really sad because those are my after breast cancer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's the before breast cancer pictures where everybody's happy and Mm -hmm. naively blissful. Mm -hmm. And then there's after where I've just drastically changed their lives, you know, not intentionally, but it happened. And I just want moms to hear this, that if you're going through this emotional fallout, whether it be from hysterectomy or just regular treatment, The other side of the coin, because when I was growing up, it wasn't hormonal in this way, but my mom struggled with depression for a period of time that impacted us Mm -hmm. as kids. I will say that the flip side to that is that I am a very resilient person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that comes from that adversity. Mm -hmm. I think that when you are faced with adversity, which is going to happen in your life, whether it stems from your parents or anything else that one of the things that you can look to is the resiliency that you build from that yeah. and the compassion that you develop for those
0: that are struggling. So, if you've never had to deal with hard things, you don't know how to deal with hard things.
1: And that's the learning process, right? Yeah. And there can be some hurt feelings and there can be some resentments both mm-hmm. from your kids and for yourself. And that's part of the process. But there are good things that come out of hard situations. Mm-hmm. And if so, you, it's
0: all within the lens that you look through. There Here we go. go. We're taking that full circle with the Walmart <laughs> reference.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: And if I would give any advice to anybody that's facing any kind of, learn, learn all about. I know Sarah did a lot of research before she did anything with her cancer treatment and all. I should have done that. I should have asked more questions. But at that point in time, you always just trusted your doctors. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think my doctor had all the information that he needed to be able to advise
0: well we say that we say that all the time on the podcast is that you have to be your own advocate you you put your trust your medical trust into the doctors for sure like you hired them like you sought them out but you know you do have to be an advocate for your own body
1: right and perhaps i mean barbara it sounds like you had a pretty severe case of endometriosis i mean it seemed Mm -hmm. pretty severe so you may have made the same choice regardless But perhaps you would have been more prepared and and maybe could have put some supports in place or a plan in place to help you. And I think that's what we really want women to know is that you may choose to move forward with this because of various reasons but we want you to have the support you deserve. Yeah. How long did you feel you struggled emotionally or do you still, I mean, where are you in the process? I mean, because that's been a long time since you've had that. So is that something that is just a continual struggle for you or do you feel like there was a certain point where it got a lot better?
2: Well, after I sent the mixing bowl across the floor, I went to the doctor and I said, I can't do these (laughs) pills anymore. And one of his nurses had told me about the estrogen patches. And she said the patches work so much better in leveling out the, the amount of estrogen you get. And so I said, I want to try those. Well, he didn't recommend that because they were so much more expensive. And I said, Right now, the expense does not does not bother me. I said, I just gotta have something that's going to level out the highs and lows. Yeah. And so we tried that, and I feel like that was a real turning point because I did not feel like, okay, in the morning I'm really high and and everything is wonderful. And then at night, being like, golly, I just can't live. They were, they leveled everything out. I could sleep, I could, I could make it through the day and and things like that, which was really great. And and Jason was probably. Oh, I don't remember. He was probably three or four by that time uh, when we finally switched over to the patches. Oh, so that was
0: years.
1: Yeah, but I don't think that's unusual. Like, my mom's depression, like, when I think about, like, how long she struggled before she finally kind of really felt like she moved on from it was, like, I mean, five, five plus years. Wow. And I could see how that could happen because I only
0: struggled for a couple months and that felt like the longest time of my life.
1: But I think that's why we're so passionate. We're so passionate about telling women if you're struggling, if you're suffering, do not do it alone and do not suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, do not do this for years and years and years. My mom didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Nobody had talked to her about, mm-hmm. you know, she thinks she had a touch of postpartum and then her dad died and it really spiraled her out. Yeah. Nobody was talking about those things back yeah. then. And I, I would say argue probably that they, it was the same thing for you, Barbara. Like, I doubt that doctors were in the habit of talking to their patients about their hormones, their sex lives, their, and their mental health, their
2: mental health. No, nobody ever said anything about it. Nobody mm. said you're going to be very emotional after this. After you have this surgery or you're going yeah. to but it was emotional plus, plus 10. I mean, it was, it was the crying and just crying because of, there's nothing you're crying about. You just start and you just
1: can't stop. I was going to say, when you're doing that, you recognize that it's not normal, right? You, you're sitting there going, this is not okay. Something's wrong.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Did they ever send you or recommend a counselor or a therapist?
2: No, nobody ever did anything. I mean, I had to pretty much work it out on my own. I don't think, I, I don't think, especially back the then. The
1: 80s? Yeah. Yeah, no, people so I, I've never spoken to anybody that's dealt with
0: any mental health issues in the eighties that got referred to proper proper it's, care. It's so wild to think of how much has changed in thirty years.
1: In a lot of ways, but then in other ways, I mean, I'm shocked at how little
0: We have changed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Because I think I think emotional well-being, that's the whole basis of faith through fire, is that emotional well-being as part of cancer care mm-hmm. specifically is lacking. Yeah. They do not address your emotional and mental health in the same way they address your cancer. Yeah. And that is a complete crime in my mind. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with Barbara's experience or anybody that experiences any kind of surgery that impacts their quality of life to that level. Mm -hmm. You should not be performing a surgery like that on a woman unless you are equipping her with proper mental health care. Right. And you should be educating them. And anybody listening that disagrees with that, I'd love to have you on. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, that's a challenge. She's laying down the yeah. gauntlet. Drop, drop the mic. Yeah. Drop boom. The mic. Because yeah.
1: I, I mean, we see it every day. It's yeah. not okay that yeah. women are struggling and suffering in silence. They've been through enough.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Well, you've got to realize,
2: too, that in the 80s, you're talking about the latter part of where women did not talk about menstrual periods or the their cramps or their menopause or anything like that. That's getting the change. Not a social, that <laughs> not the change. That was not a social norm. And when, when Sarah came along and she started having her periods and her boyfriend is running back to the camper to get one of her candy sticks, as she called it. <laughs> I'm like, you're having him carry that around because I would have died before I uh, met. Uh, I will say this. Well, apparently I
0: was really <laughs> open about that from the get go. Well, I will say this, it's hilarious. I was
2: talking to a patient the other
1: day and she's in her sixties, but she's i mean she's totally like hip and she Mm -hmm. was shocked at how open we are about sex and Mm -hmm. you know our our menstrual periods and Mm -hmm. she's just like oh my gosh she goes i love it because i never i never ever have anybody she goes my friends would never talk about this oh well so i'm like oh we we keep it real ladies yeah right we keep it real. i I
0: mean like if you're not if you're not I, i don't know i maybe i i would never want anybody to not talk about it because why would you want to suffer through something? And not That's... that we're all suffering. Maybe maybe the point is is that we shouldn't be suffering with our period, which is why nobody talked about it. And then when people started suffering with their period, they stopped talking about it because nobody was talking about it. I don't know. I this didn't, sounds like I a cycle. I was
1: going to say, I didn't follow any of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, it made sense in my mind. <laughs> I, I know I'm with you, regardless yeah. of whatever you said. So, Well... <laughs> Barbara, it sounds like you've been through a lot. I really appreciate you sharing your story because I think it's important that women hear about this and that they they kind of know.
0: Yeah, for sure. I very much agree. It was a, I mean, it was a huge help in my journey. Just because I, I mean, I'll never forget that day that I asked you, and I was taught we were talking about like, how is this hormone therapy going to affect me? And you know, and you're like, this is how, and you were very real with me, and which in a way, super, super duper scared me. But in the other way, it made me face what was gonna have to be real and what I was gonna have to make real in my reality because I was gonna have to go through something similar at a similar time as you did. Like it would it's very right. wild how aligned we were. I think so, that's why
1: I feel so much grace toward my parents. It's like when you go through it yourself and you've yeah. got young kids, all of a sudden yeah. you're like, Wow, it is really hard to yeah. take care of yourself and
0: take care of other human beings. Right. So it's but it's helpful to share what's hard for you right well you never know who it's going to help right exactly exactly yeah yeah well thank you so much mom (laughs) you're welcome sweetheart (laughs) (laughs) before we wrap up for today let's hear from our second sponsor ssm health is a proud sponsor of the besties with breasties podcast one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer during their lifetime. Early detection is key and keeping up to date on yearly mammograms could be life-saving. At SSM Health, we offer patients in the St. Louis area online scheduling for mammograms, including next-day appointments. Visit SSMHealth.com slash schedule to make your appointment now.
1: All right, All right next, next time. Go for it. Well, we're going to continue our discussion. Well, I, are we? No, we're not. This is the last one. Yeah, this is yeah. the last one. We have debated, guys, on whether we need to like completely switch things up and do something really random like just inject a random episode into (laughs) into our lineup or if we should just keep going on a path that makes sense and we're kind of leaning toward random random yeah so we haven't decided yet what our next episode's gonna be so how's that yeah we were thinking about doing a favorite things episode which would be our random episode where we talk about products and things we're like
0: oprah now yeah
1: like oprah's favorite thing she's she is retired more or less we're now oprah okay this is Beth and, gonna Beth and Sarah's favorite things. Kind of like a Christmas in July episode, or we are going to go maybe into
0: resiliency.
1: Yeah, so we we don't know what we're
0: doing yet. It's going to be a choose your own adventure. Tune, right. tune in next time to find out what we chose. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> All right. Until next time, guys. See ya. If you are a breast cancer survivor and you
1: love Besties with Breasties, make sure you join our survivorship support network at faiththroughfire.org to gain access to exclusive episodes that are ad-free and uncensored.